Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a weekend kickoff for uh, week 10. Is it week 10 already uh, of the NFL season? My name is Andrew Spade, and uh, joining me tonight from uh, a, su a suburb of Pittsburgh. Is that right, Cody? Yeah, about 25 miles north of downtown. So, so just on the edge of, you know, I don't have to yeah. deal with all the crazy. Yeah. Right. But a little yeah. bit, a fair amount of crazy. Yeah. Fair amount of crazy. Yeah. yeah. I'm, Cody, I'm, Cody. I'm only two hours from Cleveland on the dot. So. Okay. So you're, you're, you can, you know where to go to be safe if you need to be safe. <laughs> exactly. I was how, just how laughing are... at Paul's comment. Andrew oh. and Cody are snorting coke backstage. <laughs> it's like SNL in the seventies for the show, man. It's, it it's, 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 we get real serious and, you know, it's because uh, the stress of putting the show together is so high. You know, it's 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 a cathartic release to be here and doing this with you. So that's why we have to, you know, immerse ourselves in drugs and sex and rock and roll. You know, bourbon. just exactly. Yeah, bourbon. Yeah, I've got a got a sun-kissed. Oh, I'm a fan of – is that sun-kissed zero or is that sun-kissed original? That's sun-kissed zero. I'm, I won't uh, pretend to be a man that can handle a lot of sugar late at night. No, the zero is actually quite good. There's only a couple yeah. – Diet pops, I can mm. get into. Sunkiss yep. Zero is very good. Uh, Diet Mountain Dew is quite good, mm. and um, there's a root beer uh, Zero. Same same company as Sunkissed, I believe. It's quite good. Yeah, yeah. I like a Zero Sugar. I don't know how it's different from Diet. I don't really understand the world of artificial sweeteners. I am I am told reliably that they are not good for me, but I don't drink that many. Some it's a nice little treat from time to time, you know. As long as you don't go full John Daly, a case of Diet yeah. Cokes a day, I think you'll be all right. Never no, go I full John Daly. I, I, no, that's what I was going to say. I don't. I don't do a case of Diet Cokes, but I do. It's like I'm on six packs a day, so that's the way in which I go John Daly. So there we go. Um, there we go. All tried to get us to talk about doing drugs, and we ended up talking about diet sodas. So uh, the 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 shot for glamour uh, failed, Paul. I'm sorry <laughs> to disappoint you, um, Cody. We we took last week off because the Browns were off, and so we thought let's have a bye week. I was. Uh, I was on the beach in the in the Barbados. I'm sure you were as well. You know, it's by week. You got to get away. Um, but uh, a lot happened while we were gone. Um, you know, the the Ravens uh, won after our last show against the Buccaneers that Thursday night game um, two weeks ago, and then last week Monday night they beat the Saints. And all of a sudden, a team that was sitting there at four and three is now six and three, and looks like they're just walking away with this thing. Yeah, I think a lot of us expected before the season for them to be the overriding favorites in the division, and they're kind of squeaking out some wins here. I think they're a good football team. I don't think they're a great football team, but they're, it's getting to the point now where they're kind of pulling away a little bit. Uh, the Bengals are winning some games now too, um, as long as they're not playing Cleveland, which is a you know, football anomaly that somehow like just keeps working no matter who's playing quarterback to keep winning those games. But yeah, it, 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 you don't want to get to a point where it gets out of reach and not to get ahead of myself on our coverage on our show tonight, but it, you, you think a, a loss by the Browns this week, that division, you're almost kissing it a goodbye at, with a three-game separation. Yeah, I mean, they have put themselves in a position where, you know, their backs are really against the wall every week, um, and it's going to be that way for a while, unfortunately. And so, um, 
you know, it, uh, it, it, it makes all of these games, you know, it's the middle of the season that shouldn't be do or die here, but it feels like it, you know, and it's like, I mean, Miami's a good team. Buffalo's a good team next week. We'll talk about the, the schedule upcoming. We know it's tough. So it's hard to have really high expectations for what this team is going to do because one more loss and things might be over. Yeah, and you just hope it doesn't come to that case. Because I think we've seen it every week that we talk about it every week, that the parity is at an all-time high. The yeah. the um, teams that are – more teams are fallible than we thought, I think, coming into the season. Your Tampa Bays, we saw Buffalo uh, lose a game they shouldn't have lost. Uh, we saw Cincinnati get blown out. We've seen – I mean, Philadelphia is the only team really right now. I mean, they're undefeated. But I, I, I still yeah. think you got to put the Chiefs up there. The Chiefs, Bills, the Eagles, mm-hmm. and the Vikings are up there and then that top tier. And you got about 25 teams and you got three bottom-tier teams, one of which is about to play tonight in, in Carolina. But I, I – <laughs> but I, I it just – it's I don't want to write the Browns off too soon. I don't want to be overconfident right. in the Browns a, as well because we've right. seen it every week. The team could play great. They could play terrible. Um, it's just, it's just one of those teams that are so explosive that if, if it's, everything's not contained, um, it can get out of control very quickly. And I think that almost happened to Chicago, but they just kept putting up points and putting up points, and putting up points, right. To keep them in the game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a, it's a weird place to be, you know, it feels like they're kind of at the end of the season, you know, where, right. but, but because of the way that they know that, you know, you expect that they, you want these games with Deshaun Watson to mean something. So in this weird way, it's like these three games feel like the last three of the year, you know, in, in a sense right. of like they're, they have that sort of crucial nature to them because if they go zero and three, then for sure we can write them off. Right. I mean, they're not going to, they're not going to make the playoffs from, from three and eight. That's just not going to happen. So um, it, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's really, it's, yeah. go ahead. Good. Yeah, I think it's. I think expectations have to be reeled in a little bit when he yeah. comes to start. He hasn't played for almost two years, so you need to get right. it around four and two is very reasonable mm-hmm. for their yeah. six games. But if you expect him to come in, throw for three fifty and three touchdowns every single week, and the team goes six and zero, I think, I think you're being very realistic. Um, but yeah, with the way the team's played now, it could be easily, could be, should be, would be. We talk about that every year with the Browns. Right. But sitting at five and three right now, you know, with the roster and with Brissett at the helm, I don't think four and two is unreasonable. Um, and it's kind of weird. It's always in the back of my mind, but not at the forefront with him coming back to the team. Like it slips my mind sometimes when I'm right. watching these games every week that there's just that franchise quarterback and waiting. Something yeah. I don't think maybe has ever really happened in the NFL that I can think of. Uh, outside no. of an injury or something like that, that the guy that is so good at his position that is just sitting there and waiting to come out. But you, you like you said, you hope you don't get to a point where those games are meaningless. I mean, granted, right. you want to build toward the next season with momentum right. and things looking great and the trade, making your trade worthwhile. But still, um, don't be playing for nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's just it's an interesting situation for them to to be in. Unlike you, Cody, I spend a lot of my time thinking about what this team is going to look like with Deshaun Watson. I, I, I said this on one of our shows before the break, and I must have just been talking about myself because I, I, now that the bye week has passed, we've got three weeks, you know, until we see him. I mean, it's you know, today's the tenth of November. It's the fourth of December that he's playing in Houston. Uh, you know, it's close, and you know. I, I think for me, a lot of it is just what we went through covering the team this off season, you know, and, and like, I'm not sitting here saying, what was me like getting paid to, to cover the team that you root for is a, is a privilege and I'm, I'm happy to do it. But um, it, 
it was such a rough off season that it feels I need to see something to make it feel like it was all worth it. I completely agree. I think Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and Van Pelt and Haslam would completely agree too. They know going into this, it was a long-term investment without short-term dividends that you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have to deal with the PR backlash. You have to deal with all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guarantee they sat in those rooms and said, is the juice worth the squeeze with this guy? And we got to figure out if it is. And they, they made a decision that it was. And the team's been looking for a quarterback since freaking Bernie Kosar, pretty much. Bernie Kosar in sight days. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. realistically, we're talking about 30, 40 years right. of the team not having that franchise guy. So they said it was worth it. And let's, let's just hope that pays off um, greatly for this mm-hmm. franchise. Yeah. So that's a little bit of a look at the big picture where we stand going into week 10. Um, uh, you know, the game coming up, um, the Browns had their bye week and we talked before the bye week that it would be a chance for them to get healthy. Uh, most everybody is back at practice. Denzel Ward said publicly today in his press conference, he's going to play this Sunday, which, you know, I know there's been some conversation of he wasn't playing that well. We didn't really miss him when he was out, but, uh, I'm ready to stop seeing Martin Emerson get picked on on every single drive. You know, I think um, he's he's done great. Hats off to the rookie. But Denzel Ward has, has been a pro bowler for a reason. He's a good cornerback, and I'm excited to have him back uh, on the field uh, this Sunday, especially against uh, probably, what, the best one-two wide receiver group in, in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, they're setting records left and right or being close to setting records, it seems like, every week. Uh, and they they make Tua look like a heck of a better quarterback than he than we everybody thought he was in the in the right. past year. But something you touched on there was with Martin Emerson. I think we all agree for where he was drafted. He's played very admirably, very respectably. He's the most targeted player on the team with forty tar- forty five targets, mm-hmm. but he's only allowed an eighty four point eight passer rating on those targets. So he does get picked on, but he does well with those targets. He gives up some catches, but none of those explosive plays for the most part that you try to avoid. And like you said, Denzel, you know. Hasn't been that guy we expected him to be. He's had a coverage grade below 50 in three of the five games that he's been active, so not what you want to see from him. Uh, but I think we've kind of seen that throughout his career a little bit, some of those rough patches, and then he takes over and becomes that elite $100 million guy that you want him to be. And, you know, like you said, no better week than right now uh, when you're facing Waddle and Gasecki and Tyree Kill and Tua and all that speed and explosiveness for him to step up and, and, and shut down a guy like Tyreek, not shut down, but at least slow down. Yeah, so that's that's the the big good news. Wyatt Teller is back as well, and that should be helpful. I mean, the the, the Dolphins do have a really nice defensive front as well. So, uh, and, and obviously just added Bradley Chubb. So, so good news on returns. Two players still not practicing. Uh, Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa is still not practicing with that knee injury that popped up before the uh, Bengals game and kept him out of that game. And uh, David Njoku has yet to return to practice after the ankle injury that he suffered against the. Uh, was that against the Ravens? I'm losing track now. Um, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. That sounds right uh, to me. And I think it was kind of like, I didn't even know what happened. Until that's right. The game, it was towards, it was like the, that's right. It was towards yeah. the end of the Ravens game. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, uh, two, two players that obviously are, are important players for the Browns, but um, you know, good news on, on Garrett and Clowney, you know, being pretty much, you know, you kind of expect them to be back to their normal selves with the extra rest and uh, getting Teller and Ward back uh, helps. And um, you know, I, I think that, it should be a mostly full strength team that goes down to Miami. And so then the question kind of becomes, you know, what do the dolphins look like as a team? Well, they've, as, as you said, they've been setting records uh, with Tua as the quarterback, a healthy Tua as the quarterback, they are one of the best offenses in the league. So 
their stats aren't there because they had that uh, swoon when uh, Tua had the head injury issues that uh, thankfully seemed to be behind him. Uh, and since then, they've been kind of been back to their old shenanigans. And, um, you know, as you mentioned, they, they let a bunch of points through. Uh, Justin Fields is playing like a like a real pro now in Chicago. So they, they gave up 32 points, but they put up 35. And so you get the win and, and, and uh, on the road and, and you head home. So um, the Dolphins are, are favored by three and a half points right now is where the line has settled. They opened at five and a half and it's been bet down to three and a half. So that gives you some indication that uh, people like the Browns and are starting, I think, to buy this defensive turnaround a little bit because I can't imagine uh, feeling comfortable uh, only taking three points with the Browns, considering how explosive this Dolphins offense is, but we're getting close to that point. Uh, and then the the other indicator is is that the uh, the total has bumped up from 47 to 49. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not buying the uh, defensive uh, improvement. Maybe they're just buying that the Dolphins can't stop anybody, and neither can the Browns. And this is going to be a last one with the ball wins it. What do you think about uh, that line and and kind of the, your feeling about where the Browns stand in in terms of a Dolphins team that looks really good right now? Yeah, three and a half feels about right. Uh, I know three is the standard for a home team, so give them an extra half point there. That feels about right, as, as does the over-under. I feel like every time I expect a blowout, sometime it turns out like 18 to 12 or something yeah. ridiculous every time I expect yeah. one, and I don't expect one. Chiefs, Bear, uh, Bears, Bears, Dolphins, and it goes out of control. Right. Uh, but the matchup is the thing everybody's talking about, that Brown secondary versus that Dolphins receiving core. How are they going to combat that? And how are they going to try to get uh, into his face? You know, got to get rid of the ball very quickly. Doesn't get pressured a lot because of that reason and because of a decent decent offensive line that the Dolphins have as well. But with, what it comes down to is what what kind of – what's Woods going to do scheme-wise right. to try to combat it? You know, you, you can't play man defense on them. It's not going to happen. They're too fast, too <laughs> no, explosive. That would be very get, funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you got to probably sit cover three, cover four, yeah. keep everything in front of you, don't limit yak by having – uh, sure tackling for tight window throws for Tua. Maybe he'll make a couple mistakes. And then I want I want to see this the exotic fronts that we've seen yeah. in the past couple of weeks all of a sudden. Before it was just four-man pass rush, you guys go. Yep. Figure it out. Yep. Miles has got his side. You three do what you gotta do to get back there as well. But right. now we're seeing we're seeing some blitzes. We saw some stunts. Uh and we saw them just give hell to Joe Burrow in that game and contain yeah. Lamar Jackson pretty well that game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you hope it's the turning point like it was last year in the second half, why yep. Joe Woods is still as a defensive coordinator, I think was that performance. Mm-hmm. And then we, we saw the first um, five games. It was, well, here we go again, the first right. five, six games. So here we go again down this path of familiarity, uh, not not a good familiarity. Uh, so I expect zone defense. I expect some blitzes mixed in with some stunts up front. And then I expect the Browns, I mean, the two have success on the offense. They're still a top 10 EPA offense, mm-hmm. throwing the ball well, throwing the ball downfield more than I thought they would, running the ball exceptionally exceptionally well um, against a vulnerable Dolphins defense. So I do expect it to be around that 50-point total, but uh, we'll see how it goes. It, it, just like every single week, turnovers, man. You yep. can force a couple turnovers on Dolphins. Don't turn the ball over and over. Take advantage of those turnovers with touchdowns. Uh, you'll be in good shape. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, well, it feels like the Dolphins are a, a, a team, too, where they can be so explosive that you... You want to really hope that you're able to keep it tight um, early so that they can't kind of run away with it because uh, we've seen Jacoby Brissett in a catch-up mode is is the worst version of Jacoby Brissett, and the Dolphins can get real exotic with their pressure looks as well, which has been a problem for Jacoby this season. And so you, you, you kind of hope that they can keep it tight so that Nick Chubb remains an option and Kareem Hunt and all of the, you know, the, uh, the sort of longer, more methodical drives that the Browns, when they're winning – that's you know that's how they win is they grind teams down and and it's right. it's a recipe that works so um you know you'll hope that they they keep it tight against the dolphins team that can put up a lot of points really fast so that'll that'll be part of it is how how do the teams start how do what does the first quarter look like in miami sure absolutely it does and i mean i, I know the dolphins are 28th in epa per run so it's they're not phenomenal with the run but they went out and they got jeff wilson yep. and it's very efficient teams up with raheem moster you know it's like the old san francisco guys coming to Miami to, to, to make some plays. So I know the Browns have been, have been better against the run recently, not great against the run as well, uh, but you can't limit, you can't exclude that from any type of analysis as well, even yeah. with successful and as much as they want to pass the ball, uh, that still plays a factor as well. And uh, for the Browns back to the scoring touchdowns thing, it's, it's big in the red zone too. Nobody's taken more trips to the red zone this year than the Browns uh, mm-hmm. through eight games. Mm-hmm. So you got to turn those into touchdowns. They're 11th in red zone touchdown rate. So, Right. Turn those appearances and touchdowns, not turnovers or downs and not field goals and keep right. yourself in the game. So you can keep doing your game script and your game plan that you want to do. Like you said with Jacoby, it's like he's like he just forgets what he's doing and tries to do too much. All of a sudden he's throwing erratic balls down the field and throwing into tighter windows than he should be and turnover worthy type throws. Um, and when you keep it close, he's usually pretty, pretty much pulled it together. I uh, want to highlight this comment from OG Philly. Um, if the, if the line can get the kind of pressure they did against Cincy, I think that's the, that's really the key. And, and, you know, one of the things that I wanted to mention is from what I understand about the dolphins, their tackles are okay, but it's that interior that, that, that struggles. And, and of course, Tua has such a quick release that interior pressure, you know, is, is, has a better chance of getting home. Um, you know, Tua is not holding the ball long uh, and he's, he trusts his receivers enough to just ch- kind of chuck it up to them. So, you know, you can't really rely on Miles getting around the corner, taking two and a half plus seconds to get there because the ball is going to be gone. So I wonder, to, to your point about uh, these more exotic fronts, do they move Garrett and Clowney inside more to try and get them favorable matchups against a, a, a lesser talented interior offensive line for the Dolphins? I could definitely see. And I also think about a guy like Alex Wright that they've started to use inside a little bit yep. as well. The guy that was thrust into a role he probably shouldn't have been doing it, starting at the edge with the injuries to GW and Clowney. And I think he is currently the 129th at 130 graded edge. Oof. But Oof. I think if you can move him in the interior with Clowney, with um, 
Garrett on the other side and force those interior pressures, like you said, they'd have a little more success, but it's going to be tough. Tua gets rid of the ball in 2.6 seconds, which is the seventh fastest average time from snap to throw in the NFL. Uh, so we'll have to see where that goes as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, we say it every week, but obviously their ability to get pressure with their front four is, is a big part of it. And and as as you mentioned, they've done more exotic things. They've also brought more pressures the last few weeks, um, which is a real, you know, dangerous proposition against a team that's as explosive as the Dolphins. But, you know, you, you do want to, make Tua feel that pressure for sure one way or the other. And so how they choose to do that will be a, a big part of, I think, how the game goes. Um, you know, the, the other thing that, that I, you know, is on my mind with, with this game is if David Njoku's not able to play, you know, Amari Cooper probably draws, you know, pretty tight coverage. The, the Dolphins have those, those two good cornerbacks and Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. So, um, you know, is, is, who's the person that steps up this week? Is it Kareem Hunt out of the backfield like it was last week or is it uh, or two weeks ago or is it Donovan Peoples-Jones? You know, I think I think Michael Woods uh, is is kind of more in in my mind is sort of more in contention for a breakout game than David Bell is. It seems like to me, David Bell has kind of been, you know, steady Eddie in the slot. You know, he's a, he's open, but he's not really doing much after the catch. Whereas, you know, we've, I think we've mentioned on a few shows that Wood seems to have a little bit of that juice. And so I'm, I'm just curious who that receiver is going to be that's going to step up this week and, and, and be the target that Brissett can find a lot. And a guy you mentioned, Kareem Hunt, uh, stands out to me. Uh, the yeah. Dolphins this year have allowed uh, 43 receptions for 376 yards and two touchdowns. Those 376 yards are in the bottom 10 of all defenses against running backs this year. So, Potential for him to do that. I don't think we've seen, seen a lot of that um, as of late. Him catching the ball out of the backfield or him lining up at slot and catching a ball, maybe line up against a linebacker or something like that, taking advantage of those mismatches. Not something we've seen. The screen game is non-existent. That's completely yep. gone by the wayside because it just hasn't worked. The timing with Jacoby just hasn't been worked, has, hasn't worked well at all, even though the, I right. think those plays have been open. They just haven't been able to capitalize on those opportunities. So I think uh, Hunt definitely has a possibility a possibility of being that guy and DPJ as well. <laughs> Talk about it every week. He can't get yeah. open. Right. He doesn't do anything with the ball after the catch, but he gets the call. He catches the ball. It's, it doesn't matter how tight the coverage is, how much it's contested. He seems to come down with it more often than not. So a player like him, and it, it, I'm never going to put Marty Cooper out of it. No matter right. who covered him because he's such yep. a good route runner. Yep. He's so pre- precise with what he does. Uh, he might not do his eight for 120 yards, right. but he'll still be there. Uh, making some place for that offense. Yeah. I, I just think it's interesting because the, you know, the, it feels more like a game where they're going to have to, they're, they're going to have to share it around a little bit. I, I, it doesn't feel to me like the, I don't know a ton about the Dolphins defense to be perfectly honest, but it doesn't feel to me like they're the type of team that's going to let, you know, one guy kind of get what he got against the Bengals. So I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they spread around. Interesting question from Pat Shea, the Dolphins uh, last three wins are the Steelers, the Lions and the Bears. Um, are they as good as people think, which I think is a fair question. Um, you know, my, my, uh, point of reference for the, for the dolphins is still that, uh, that game against Buffalo in week three, when, uh, everybody was collapsing on the field because of dehydration, it was a hundred degrees on the field. Um, but they beat the bills, you know, and that's, that's a sort of a signature win. And then, you know, they're coming back and scoring a bunch of points, but I think it's a great point to talk about the uh, level of competition that the dolphins have played against. And, and, you know, if you look at the advanced statistics, I'm a big fan of Football Outsiders uh, advanced statistics, and and 
you know, uh, I, I believe I'm doing this off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure that the Browns are 11 and the Dolphins are 12. Uh, I, I think yep. um, two two very uh, highly rated offenses, two top five offenses, two bad defenses, according to Football Outsiders. And and actually, both teams have pretty bad special teams as well. So, uh, you know, the, the Football Outsiders has the Browns as a five win team in terms of uh, estimating their their play over the season, what they what their record should be based on their performance. They'd be five and three. And I think if the Browns are five and three going into Miami against a team that's six and three, I think we we almost would feel like maybe the Browns should be favored. So it's it's interesting how, you know, the, those early season struggles and those lost opportunities against the Jets and against the Falcons and against the Chargers have sort of culminated in this feeling of the Browns not being very good. But then you remember what they did two weeks ago against a Bengals team that I do think is good. Uh, yeah. and, and maybe that changes, changes your impression. And, and to Pat's point, uh, the dolphins are doing it, but they're doing it against, I mean, the Steelers, lions and bears. I, I, I do power rankings every week for the OBR. Those three teams are in my sixth tier, the lowest there is all, all three of those are bottom six teams. So, uh, the Browns have the most impressive win out of the, <laughs> the, the, you know, those four teams. Yeah, I mean, you look you look at a lot of advanced stats. It's a pretty even matchup across the board. You just think about those two receivers and what you do with them. But outside of that, it's all pretty even. Yeah. Um, the freaking Jets. I come back to that game all the time. But yeah, oh, with, with 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 the Browns, it's it's. I've talked about this before on here, but it's it's just so much had to go so incredibly wrong for them yeah. to lose those games that they did. So when you look at that record, three or five, all oh, they stink. They don't stink. Right. We've, we've seen them play extremely good football games. They just throw it away at the end or they dominate somebody like the Bengals. So I think they're a little, I'm not going to say underrated, but not highly as thought of as they should be uh, currently yeah. With, yeah. With, with, with the status of that team. And I, and I do think the Dolphins are pretty good. You know, they beat the Ravens, they beat the Bills, they beat, they beat the Patriots, uh, lost to the Bengals, lost to the, um, the Jets by yeah. An incredible as, as Philly said in chat, that was yeah. those were the, the two of free games. So yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. I think it's much more of an even matchup than it feels, but also it you know Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle strike fear into the hearts of people in a way that you know that there's not a lot of other players in the league that I'm. I mean, we ducked Jamar Chase two weeks ago against the Bengals. Tyreek is in that Jamar Chase tier of oh gosh, I I don't want to see what he's going to do to my favorite team this Sunday. So, um, yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I think, you know, one of the things that I think is worth talking about is, is the, the, the best case scenario, which is that the Browns are suddenly good. Right. And if the defense does continue on its path from before the bye week, uh, the way they played against Baltimore and Cincinnati and the offense continues at what we've both said is a top five rate. Uh, this sounds crazy, but, but this dolphins game is, is, as we've just discussed close to a toss up, the Bills next week might be without Josh Allen. I think they're being very quiet about his injury status for good reason. Um, but even if he's playing, he's probably going to be a limited version. And we know that the Buccaneers have been disappointing. Um, this is total fantasy land, but I, I don't think that any of these games feels unwinnable. You know, that's just me, the optimist, the Browns fan that, that never says die. You know, and, and I think imagine for a moment – that the Browns are sitting at six and five when Deshaun Watson steps onto the field in Houston on December 4th. I said it on Monday with our show with Keith and Fred. If they're six and five, I have to chug a beer every 15 minutes on our show that week because it, I that missed was the that. deal. That's great. We, we made that deal. <laughs> if, they, if, if, they're, if they go three now over these next 
well worth it. Well worth it. Yeah. Set the six and oh, five. yeah. Well, it'll be must watch TV, too. Before coming into the season, we all said, if you just get to five and six, yep. five and six, yep. and then you get Watson back, you got a shot to go nine and eight. You got a shot to be at 10 and seven. Yep. Nine, eight, 10 and seven this year, the way things have played out in that AFC might get you a wild card berth. You know what I mean? Right. It, 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 yeah. You might sneak in with that record, which would be a phenomenal achievement uh, with playing with how the how things have flown these first eight games. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, if, if that is the case, that means they'd be one of the more, most talk about teams in the league. Yeah. Coming coming from everybody thinking so down on the team and, and negative thoughts about the team and negative performances. But, it, it, yeah, I mean, like Paul just said, we're very lucky if they're five and six. I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. If they can get the five and six, these are three. They're they are winnable. There's not a game I think they can go into this season that's not winnable, in my opinion. Um, and I think a lot of teams are probably thinking that same thing. But we'll see how it turns out. Um, yeah, I want to highlight this comment from Fubble Thirteen. Uh, uh, Josh Allen's injury being similar to Bernie's in '88. I agree. I, you know, this is one of those things where it makes sense that the Bills are going to keep it hush hush. They're not going to talk about it. They're not going to come out and publicly say like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. It's screwed up and he's going to need surgery in the off season. They don't want to give any of that away, but you know, is there a chance that they sit him down for a few weeks to get him right for the playoff stretch? Potentially. Is there a chance that, that he tries to give it a go this weekend against Minnesota and can't, and then, and then gets shut down. I, I think these things are in play and I think it will look, I mean, it's, I'm not rooting for anybody to be hurt, but you know, he, he was not right after that that incident last week. And I think it, you could tell, and, and as, as fumble mentioned, um, it's not the first time this has happened to a quarterback and it can change the way they throw the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I never wish for injury of anybody. No matter no. how much of a player I don't like on the football field. I don't know these guys personally, but I'd never wish for injury on anybody. And as a Browns fan and as a football fan, I always want to beat the other team when they're at their best. That, that's just my, that's just how I, I my opinion, but but if you can go into a game with the Bills against without one of the top three quarterbacks in football, yeah. your hand goes up a little bit. Right. Uh, your chances of winning goes up a little bit. And like you said, I would not be surprised to see them shut down. Okay, they have the Vikings this week, seven and one. Sure, <laughs> Jesus, Paul, <laughs> just a tiny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Vikings seven and one, one of, the, one of the better teams in football, playing in one of the better teams in football. And then they have the Browns, and then they have the Lions. So right. you think when they look at that schedule, it's like, huh. Can we rest him for a few weeks here and really come on the second, the back end of this schedule when they have the Patriots, when they have the Jets, when they have the Dolphins and they have the Bengals um, and really bring him back healthy? Because the last thing you want to do with a player of his repertoire and his ability is bring him back before he's ready and do further damage or he does damage to the team because he's trying to play through something, not unlike a quarterback on this team last year. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So – so that's kind of that injury can it. get worse, right? I mean, I, you know, yeah. and again, I'm not I'm not rooting for this at all, to be clear. But but that sort of an injury, that sort of ligament injury, with more use, can get worse. And so, you are taking a risk running him out in the next few weeks if it's inflamed, if it's strained, whatever. If if it doesn't heal properly, and it, he tears it, then the season for sure is over, and and you're not sure which sort of quarterback you're getting back in a month, or I'm sorry, in a year. Who is their backup? Case Keenum. Is it Keenum? Yeah. That's what I thought. Sure yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a dream. That's that's a dream matchup for a guy that can't. I like, like you said, you, you want to like beat him at their best. And I do yeah. think that even with Josh Allen, I know it sounds absolutely bananas, but there is a recipe for the Browns to beat the Bills. Um, it, it's not a recipe that I think is 
easy to whip up in the kitchen. I'm not saying that, you know, it's a complicated recipe with a lot of steps. It's a, there's a French sauce involved, but, but there is a recipe. Yeah. It's in that family. It's in that family. You're, you're melting butter. You're whisking. Yeah. It's a lot. Uh, it's labor intensive. There's capers. But my point is, is that you're, you're going to Buffalo uh, and, and they're coming off of a Vikings game. Like you said, they're in a little bit of a lull of their schedule. The Browns can run the ball and the Bills struggle at times to stop the run. There, there's a, there's a recipe. That's all I'm saying. So uh, we will, uh, we'll see about the Bills, but I think it's worth kind of having this conversation just because of such a, a unique situation, as you said before getting a franchise quarterback back in three weeks, knowing that he's coming back in three weeks, you know, he's, he's going to be back and, and they just have to find a way through these next three games. So we talked about Miami a little bit before we, I do want to play, uh, you know, of course, uh, another edition of our uh, record setting uh, game, buying or selling, but, but first I just want to talk because uh, the news in the NFL this week is about um, what the Colts did. They fired Frank Reich on, on Monday Um uh, somewhat unexpectedly, but Jim Irsay is is having a moment, let's say. Um, and uh, they they unexpectedly later on Monday named Jeff Saturday, who you see there. Uh, he's the, the guy with the beard on the left. Um, they named Jeff Saturday uh, their interim head coach for the rest of the season. And Jeff Saturday um, was uh, on ESPN air uh, before getting this job. He, he has no head coaching experience in college or the NFL. He's, he was a head coach at a, at a high school, uh, which nothing against that. It's the same game, right? But uh, it is interesting uh, what has happened in Indianapolis. And it is, it feels to me uh, like watching from a little bit of a distance, this is what it must have been like when the Browns fired Rob Chudzinski after one season, when, you know, when the Browns uh, let Kyle Shanahan walk out of his contract to go, to go, lead one of the best offenses in the NFL in Atlanta. It, it feels from a distance like a franchise that is absolutely melting down. It's a very Browns move. Um, yeah. And not to discount Jeff Saturday. I, I liked him as an analyst. He was a phenomenal football player. I think he's like a really quality guy. He's, he's, we see him in interviews. Um, mm-hmm. But to fire Frank Reich, okay, guy's been successful. I think he's 40 and 33 of his career. Yep. Um, Successful head coach. You have guys that are coordinators that have called plays before. Uh, now let's bypass them. Right. Uh, some other guys that could step up in the role. Let's bypass them and let's hire the guy, like you said, who's never put a headset on at the college or NFL level. I get it. He, he said it. I think he said it in his welcome he press did. conference that he's, he he could see himself as a leader and being a leader of men, which is a huge responsibility and a huge part of the job. But you have to oversee everything as the head coach. And I got to see some of those guys have those growing pains where I'm responsible for the offense, the defense, the special teams. I'm responsible for these guys off the field. I'm responsible for that locker room. I'm responsible for aiding the GM and making personnel decisions. Granted, he's he's an interim guy, so we'll see where that goes, but it's a mind-boggling move. Uh, Bottling. Bottling, not boggling. Mind-bottling move um, (laughs) of what they they did here. And it could very well work out. But I think the, the deck is stacked heavily against that happening. Uh, and you just kind of think we just toss your hands up and say, I have no idea what's going on. Was this a fake Twitter account that's going on with Twitter blue right now? Who that announced this? Was this a real, did this really happen? Uh, but it did. And we'll see where it goes. They got some players on that roster. Mm-hmm. Matt, I mean, the Matt Ryan experiment failed. Yep. Um, we got some young guys like the Michael Pittman of the world and some Jonathan Taylor hasn't performed to his level. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, 
all the best of the luck in the world to him, but they're but they're 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 in a Freddy Kitchens type battle right now of of that, trying to save that season and save the team going forward. Imagine me struggling to remember Freddie Kitchens when talking about all of the Browns coaching debacles over the past two decades. What an what an embarrassment yeah. by me to talk about Rob Trzinski and Mike Pettin letting Kyle Shanahan walk and not mentioning Freddie Kitchens absolutely torpedoing the development of their first overall draft pick. Uh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> it went well for those eight weeks, though. Weeks nine through seventeen of that season were unbelievable. Yeah. You that's know, why that's that's why he was running the wing T in, in, in twenty nineteen. I mean, listen this this is a safe space. I've I've used this space to to trot out some of my pet theories in the past. I have uh, in my possession a barely worn, uh, bright orange dog pound hoodie of the exact same type that Freddie Kitchens was famous for wearing on the sideline at the end of that 2018 season. Yes. Uh, if anybody wants it, um, arrange arrange to, you know, put your whatever, and we'll figure it out. Reach out. Um, my contact information is on my Twitter account. Uh, reach out. I will send that to whoever wants it because I don't want it anymore. And uh, it kind of bums me out that I bought that. I feel like a little bit of a sucker. So I also have a uh, had a uh, Baker Mayfield uh, jersey. But, uh, Cody, do you know where that ended up? That is in my closet upstairs. <laughs> uh, I was actually going to bring that up you're talking about. For more golf outing, you know, that, that was what I won for being the losing team after Andrew dispars or birdies, number yeah. 18. Not that it yeah. mattered. You guys were yeah. stealing strokes left and right. That's but, yeah, right. I, got, I got a Baker Mayfield surgery size triple X. Um, <laughs> it, it touches my calves when I put it on. So, uh it's a nice sleep shirt. You know, if I walk yeah, walk around the house, it's more of a, a gown shirt, than a shirt. It's, more, yeah. it's like a moon moon. It's a moon moon. <laughs> yeah, I just walk around the oh, house, man. you know, strut my stuff, and uh, yep. my Baker Mayfield jersey, and, yep. and, and feel very yep. proud of, yeah. our, of, yeah. our, of our golf outing. You can be honest that you'd never worn it once. That's fine. I just wanted to pass some of my burden on to somebody else, and I did. So, mm. uh, mission accomplished. And uh, Paul's got his Mayfield jerseys available. We can turn this, you know, maybe this offseason, that's a good idea. We'll just do a jersey shops swap show once. We'll just, uh, you know, everybody can jump in here and we'll just, uh, you know, people can send us pictures and we'll put them on the screen and, and people can bid on, you know. I, I'm sure there's somebody in this chat that's got something much funnier than a Baker Mayfield jersey, uh, an old uh, uh, Jake DeLome jersey perhaps, or, um, who, you know, help me think here of uh, – Virgin Wynn. Yeah, Spurgeon Wynn is the is the is is the one or like Jeff a Jamal, Garcia. Yeah, Jamal Lewis jersey from when he was with the Browns. I mean, he was fine, right? But uh, it's like those jerseys you see out of the front of First, first Energy Stadium, like over by uh, where Golix used to be on the corner. Yeah. I think it's West Sixth. They yeah. have all those jerseys of these old players for like ten bucks. Yeah, of, of those guys. If you want to stock yeah. up on former Browns yeah. players that made it a season, you know, I have a, I have actually have an authentic Tr- Richardson jersey upstairs. Do you really? Uh, I have a Johnny Manziel jersey, some oh. Tim Couch, Courtney Brown. Yeah. Uh, whole list. Eric Metcalf yeah. was my first one. Yeah. So my first jersey I've had as a kid. I still have. Same it. here, man. Same here. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, I've got a Billy Mansell t-shirt. <laughs> we do have to do a swap. We'll do a postseason. Like, I think we should, Browns man. I think we swap. should. I think everybody should. You know, you can put your your you can throw your size in the chat, and we'll everybody can we'll, trade like, their them. junk. We'll, like, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. All right. It is time for buying and selling. Uh, Browns Dolphins edition. Um, and so uh, we're going to start with some big picture questions and then we'll we'll narrow it down. Um, 
we talked a lot about what to expect over this next three game stretch. Uh, and as I, I, I always forget to mention it, fumble 13 with Seneca Wallace. That's, that's such a good call. Yeah. That's such a good call. And, uh, and, and Warpath has a Lou Groza Jersey, which is unbelievable. That's very, what nice. is that even made out of newspaper? Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, we talked Kevlar. about, the, yeah. <laughs> we talked about the upcoming three games, uh, and how crucial they are. They all kind of feel like must wins. And we're sitting here just, just hoping that the Browns will still be relevant when Deshaun Watson comes back, or at least that's where I'm at. Um, so, so first buying and selling and sound off if you're in chat, um, you know, if you're buying or selling this idea, here's, here's what I'm trying to sell you, uh, or buy, I, you know what I mean? Um, the Browns are going to win two of the next three games, buying or selling. I'm going to sell it. I, I think they get one. Cody. I know, I know, I know. We just talked about it. It's all three are winnable. Uh, I'm going to sell it. I'm going to say they go to four to set four and seven when Watson comes back. And I think the one game they win is against the Bucks. Um, okay. So you've got them opinion. dropping two in a row to go to three and seven. Three and seven. They get to four and seven. Uh, Watson comes back and they go four and two. So they finish eight and nine. That's, that's, that's my, Oof. that's my guess. I, that would be, that would be tough for me. I, I just, you know, after last year, Pat, Pat's buying it. Pat's buying Attaboy, it. Pat. Phillies. Yeah. Phillies. Depending on Allen. See, I think it's, I think it's, they win this week and whatever happens in Buffalo happens. And then they win against Tampa Bay. That's how I feel about it. You know, this is well, the one where coming off the bye week, you know, I think it might've been Pat earlier, earlier in, in the chat that said, uh, if they show up for this the one, Browns they show up this, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, you I'll, win I'll this week, quick. yeah, you go four and five, you go on the road and you beat Miami in Miami, yep. a team that people across the league love to talk about right um everything changes right i think because you, you, you just beat the hell out of cincinnati yep you come in you beat the dolphins for these yeah. next five are on the road so it's not gonna be right. an easy easy bout that's right if you're sitting at four and five with those wins the, regardless of what baltimore's doing you're feeling really good about yourself yep. and you get that confidence that you need and you're finding out how to win games which is a very real thing um so the, it's huge and this is the week i completely agree uh, I just I just try to be objective yep. in everything. Um, yep. I, I just don't see it, unfortunately. I would love to be proven wrong. I don't yep. know how you feel. Well, like I said, I think the path to winning two of three is this this game in Tampa Bay. I, maybe that's mm-hmm. obvious to say, but um, if you know they they split the next two, I, I obviously am expecting that Josh Allen will play and they'll lose to to Buffalo in Buffalo. Um, but I think they've got a I think they've got a puncher's chance this week just because I think you know the 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 defense is playing better. I don't think that's a mirage. You know, that, that, that Bengals team were like, well, maybe it's because Jamar Chase isn't out. And then they, what did they put on uh, Carolina this past week? I know it's, I know it's Carolina, but I mean, still uh, still, like they, they, they were the same terrifying offense that they were the two weeks before coming into Cleveland. And when they came into Cleveland, they, they couldn't, they couldn't move the ball. So, I look long term. It's an immense problem that Joe Woods takes half a season to get his defense together. But this is exactly what happened last year, and so I don't think that there's any reason to doubt, especially after a bye week, that the offense can take, you know, can can stay at that level and answer some of the questions that we have about their their pressure issues, and the defense can come up with a plan for these guys that in, involves clogging up the middle of the field, pressuring to it with some exotic looks, like you said, maybe they get a turnover too. I'm not saying I'm not sitting here and saying it's a sure thing, but. They've got a puncher's chance against Miami, and if if that happens, 
then you have to go one and one of those two games and you feel pretty good about your chances doing that. And all of a sudden they're, as you said, they're five and six with Watson coming back. And, you know, I think at that point we will be flying pretty high in my, uh, in my opinion, Paul, Paul uh, called it right. He said, I'm strangely uncharacteristically optimistic tonight. And that's true. Um, but I, I think that the Bengals game, I was, I, I, I followed this team so closely it felt to me, especially when they came out with 12 men on the field, that first snap, it felt, we talked about this uh, last Tuesday. It felt to me like, all right, this is the wheels come off game. You know, they're going to be two and six. The season's over. Joe Woods and Mike Prefer get the, get the boot. And they did not fall for the same sort of shenanigans that they have fallen for all season. And they changed their luck. And so, you know, that, that, I think carries over this week, and I, I think they've got a shot. I, again, I'm not sitting here saying it's a sure thing, but I like their chances. Okay. Uh, Warpath, uh, to beat Miami, they got to keep the ball away from them. I agree. I think if they can yeah. play keep away, just run the ball, uh, they can they can succeed. Uh, Pat makes a great point. They played the Ravens well, too, just didn't finish. And and that goes – that's you know, the Patriots game was bad, but they played the Chargers well, too, and the Chargers are, are sitting there. Uh, are they 5-3 and three or 6-3? and three? Either way, they, they've got a winning record. Yeah, the Pats game was the only one I think yeah. that was ever yeah. before they got off the bus right. or before they got the plane. That was that game was done, uh, but the All other, right. um, yeah. So we've got some optimism here. I feels good. I'm excited to absolutely get my uh, heart ripped out of my chest on Sunday. All right, um, <laughs> let's let's do another another buy or sell. Uh, Josh Allen will not play next week against Cleveland. Buying or selling? Sell just because it's Cleveland Browns luck. Uh, All right. Yeah, I, I think he'll sit this week. I know we just talked about it too. Yep. Uh, the potential of playing Case Keenum, the potential that the potential of that injury being more serious. That's all there. That's all on the table. Uh, but I'll say he sits this week, Minnesota, and and he's right just enough to play next week in Buffalo. Also, all right. Paul thinks it's a revenge game for Jacoby. Um, I, I've got I've got some people here buying. Uh, Paul and Philly want to buy that. Uh, Kevin cycle 18 wants to sell that. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's interesting to see what happens with that. As I said before, Buffalo has no incentive to be honest or public about what's going on right now. They have all the incentive in the world to keep this as tightly under wraps as possible, because if he is wrong in the elbow, the NFL is a dog eat dog world and, and people are going to know that he is limited. So, um, uh, and red leader is getting psychological about, it. he thinks that the Buffalo bills will take us lightly and think that they can, uh, yeah. All right. So let's move on. Um, the Browns are going to this week keep the Dolphins offense off the field, dominate time of possession, 35 minutes or more. So this is the keep away game that we've been talking about. I didn't say anything about whether or not they would win, just that they're going to dominate time of possession, 35 minutes plus. I'll buy. I'll buy that. I got you to buy one. All right. I will buy that because <laughs> because two has the second most completions of 20 yards downfield. <laughs> When they score, <laughs> I don't think it's going to be these 10, yeah, 12, yeah, yeah. 11, yeah. 10, 11, yeah. 12 play drives. But I, I was it the Chargers game where they just completely dominated the, the time of possession? Yeah. I can't remember exactly which game it was off the top of my head. But it, it was, was c- completely lopsided in the Browns' yeah. favor. It went exactly how they wanted to go until that until those final minutes of, of the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, I'll buy that. I, I will buy that the Browns do the grind-out approach or able to – get some success on the ground and, and they win the time of possession. Yeah. I'll buy. 
Yeah. And it might not matter, right? As you said, Cody, yeah. if, if the secondary is doing that thing where they're like, hey, you had you had Tyreek and you didn't, and you know, if they're doing that, it doesn't really matter because Tyreek's in the end zone doing flips and it's, you know, 42 right. to 17, but the Browns really sat on the ball when they had it. So I, 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 I wanted to word a few here that didn't necessarily indicate a win. Uh, here's another one, and this one maybe gets closer to it, but the Browns defense will continue its hot streak and hold the Dolphins under 28 points. I have it at 30. Um, okay. So it's a slight sell. I yeah. think it's very possible that, that they hold with 28 or less, but I'll sell. And I, I'm going to say they're at it's right around 30 for the Dolphins um, on Sunday. Yeah, I agree with you. I tend to think that it's it gets to 30. I think that the Browns are going to have to be in the 30s to win this game. Um, but, you know, I will say that I was expecting the Bengals-Browns game to be a shootout, and then it was scoreless after a quarter. So, um, you know, I, 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 I felt like I was on sort of the right wavelength. I think this is maybe where the optimism was coming from. I felt like I understood where this team was headed and, and, and could see them kind of struggling to finish. And, and I think that, again, the Bengals game was a different type of game. So, um, you know, I, I feel like I'm not as tuned in to where this team is, especially after a bye week. So I think it'll be really interesting to see how things start off on on Sunday. Okay, um, the Dolphins. This is well. Okay, let me do this one first. Uh, the Browns are going to sack Tua at least three times. How about that? Gotta sell again. Really? Uh, gotta sell again. Okay, because even after about what they did to Joe Burrow, because of his average time of stop to throw, the seventh okay. fastest, he's been yeah. pressured the second lowest, second fewest times this year only. Second to Tom Brady, only 22.5% of his dropbacks have been pressured. Uh, so I'll sell that just because of that. Then I'll quickly get the ball out of his hands. Um, but just like Brady does, snap, throw, snap, throw. Uh, I'll sell it. Uh, very well could be wrong. Uh, that's where I'm going to go. All right. Okay, last one here. This is a this is an interesting one. The Dolphins are the worst team. Fumble's buying that one, by the way. So I'm Fumble is, is one of my best customers overall. Um uh, the Dolphins are one of the – they are the worst team in second and fourth and short. Uh, I picked that that nugget up this week. Uh, two or less to go, third or fourth down, they're under 50% conversion rate, which is like by 7% the worst in the league. So um, uh, that, that is a liability. You know, anytime you're in a tough game, anytime you're in a close game, you're going to have a third and short. You know, somebody's going to get tackled short of the sticks and you're going to struggle to pick it up. They, they struggled to do that against the Bears last week. And uh, they turned it over on downs because they went on third and fourth and short both times. Couldn't get it. And uh, the Bears had the ball and a chance to uh, win the game. And so, um, yeah, I, I th- this is a, a, a little wrinkle here, um, you know, because the Browns have the, the cheat code that is Jacoby Brissett on uh, on third and fourth down. They, they pick up all of their short yardage situations for the most part, unless they try and run a Kareem Hunt sweep or whatever. But uh, generally speaking, the, you know, they've, they've been pretty good with that. And the Dolphins have struggled with it. And I think this might be one of those surprise things that shows up. So what I'm trying to, what the, the idea I've got here is the Dolphins will fail to convert at least one crucial short yardage play in this game. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. I'll buy, I love Mike McDaniel, by the way, not to yeah. be rooting, rooting for the other team. I love what he does. I love yeah. how he presents he's a himself. Cool dude. What he stands for. He's laid back. He's true to himself. Yep. He's a genuine dude, it seems like. Yep. Uh, but I think it comes down to one of those red zone, fourth and short type plays. They decide to go for it in the Browns stop them. I definitely see that type of situation happening with, with a lack of, well, not a lack of a running game, but just not an overpowering ground game. I, I definitely see that happening. 
uh, going from the fourth turnover on the downs in the Browns taking over inside over red zone for sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's one little, one little piece of optimism I think that's out there is that, you know, if the, if the Browns can keep it tight, that's one area where they have a strong advantage over the dolphins. Um, so uh, overall, uh, Cody, what do you think? Uh, we, we, we'll do a roundtable article for Saturday. Do you want to share a prediction? I think I know what you're going to say, but uh, are you ready to predict this game? Yeah, I'll say uh, 30 to 23 Dolphins victory. All right. That's what I'll go with. I, I, think, no. I think it's closer than that. I don't think it's a blowout. I, I think it's a close fourth quarter game, but the bounces come up, can't come up with that play. At the end of the at the end of the game, like Jacoby's shown, he struggled with this season. Um, so they fall 30-23. All right. I, I'm I'm gonna predict the Browns to win. I think I think the Browns win like 33-30, something like that. I think it's one of those where there's a lot of scoring and the Browns happen to score last. Uh, like, you know, one of those three minute drives that culminates with a field goal being kicked as time expires, something like that. Uh Philly's okay, got a York redemption. That's right. Philly's got a prediction 34-30 Dolphins. Pat's got a, a strong Browns win, Ooh. thirty to twenty. He Pat likes the Browns defense. He is convinced. Good boy, Pat. Uh, fumble 13, 31, 27 Browns. So we've got some optimism to, in chat tonight. Uh, Paul is just impressed that I <laughs> picked the Browns to win. He's not going to share his prediction. Uh, Red leaders got the Browns winning thirty-seven, thirty-four. There we go. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I like the optimism. I appreciate it. Uh, we had a good time talking Browns with you tonight. I, I, there's there's a few other good games. The two that jumped out to me, Seattle and Tampa are playing uh, Sunday morning in Germany, which is really interesting. And then we talked about Minnesota-Buffalo should be a good game. Uh, and then the Steelers are hosting the Saints, which I think won't be a good game, but uh, it's an opportunity to watch the Steelers lose football game. So you got you got to tune in. Paul's got it 3-2. to two. He's got it as a defensive showdown. Oh boy. Won't even tell us who's winning. So thanks, Paul, for your uh, participation tonight. You uh, checked all the boxes. Um, we appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, thank you for joining us in the chat, uh, yucking it up with us. We had a great time. Thank you to Cody Sweck for uh, drinking an entire glass of bourbon while we talked. It was mixed. It was, it was ginger ale, too. Oh, okay. Well, it was half and half. I'm, I'm, okay. on, I'm on a complete savage. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, thank you to Ian McBride for uh, doing everything behind the scenes and getting us that nice picture of Jeff Saturday. Uh, we will be back on Sunday morning uh, or at noon for the uh, pregame for the Miami Dolphins hosting the Cleveland Browns. Until then, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, check out the website at the OBR, and uh, we will see you on Sunday. Go Browns. Go Browns. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.